0: Quantum computing, fundamentally, is the best way to process information based on the laws of physics as we know them. I had constructed what I thought of as the generalisation of the universal Turing machine. Can an astonishingly powerful new realm of computation be found within the quantum world? Will researchers ever realise the goal of what they call quantum supremacy? And what would it mean for our society if they did? From its fundamental building blocks, To the ultimate goal of a truly universal quantum computer. Join me, Oxford Professor of Philosophy Peter Millikan, as I explore this and many other questions on the Future Makers podcast, available today from wherever you listen to podcasts.
1: You're listening to the Future Tech Podcast with Richard Jacobs. This is Richard Jacobs with the Future Tech and Future Tech Health Podcast, and I have Dr. Shiroko Sokic. Uh, she's a founder and author of uh, Heart to Heart Medical Center. That's the website as well, hearttoheartmedicalcenter.com. Yes. Uh, we're going to be talking about her integration of uh, Western medicine and Chinese medicine. So, uh, Shiroko,
0: thanks for coming. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, tell me a little bit about your uh, your background. You started in Western medicine, and you got pretty deep into it, and then you changed or you adapted or added on Chinese medicine. So what was that transition in history like?
0: Um, I was a surgical resident in Seattle and I was um, finding that. So the the whole reason I went into medicine was when I was five, my great grandmother collapsed in front of me and died a few days later and I never got to see her again. And she was my favorite person in the world and was the person who took care of me. And so it was a pretty big blow. And on the day that I was told that she had died, I decided I wanted to save lives and I decided I wanted to be a doctor. And so the first time I got to save a life was in the emergency room as a third year medical student when a patient came in with a gunshot wound and we operated on him and saved his life. And so I went into surgery with that sort of in mind the saving of lives and and within a fairly short period of time a whole bunch of things happened in my own personal life but also in my in the emergency room and in the hospital as I as I was working as a resident and I began to feel like there was more to saving a life than just taking someone from death's door and what I was experiencing as a surgeon wasn't what I wanted to be doing for people. You know, I wanted to, I wanted to help them in a different way. And one of the things that bothered me the most was the severe amount of physical pain that people were suffering and our medications just couldn't do anything for that. And so I started thinking, well, what could I do instead or what, what could I do to help people better? And I found this book called the web that has no weaver. Somebody gave it to me, I think, because I was talking to them about this, and I read it, and it was about acupuncture and Chinese medicine. And the whole idea of Chinese medicine was just so appealing to me. I decided that I wanted to learn more about it, so I started researching, and and I decided to leave my residency at the end of my second year, and um, met a guy who was working in my hospital as a he was a respiratory therapist, but he was also an acupuncturist. And I ended up having acupuncture with him and learning that there was a school in Seattle. And so I started going to acupuncture school and decided to work in the ER while I studied acupuncture. So that's kind of how I got to acupuncture. <laughs> and uh, then. But
1: you said you were doing acupuncture in the ER. And I was going to ask you, is that allowed? No,
0: no, you, you <laughs> it studying. wasn't. I don't know if it would be now. It would be great, though, if it were. That would be great. Um, It could certainly help a lot of things that people go to the emergency room for.
1: I've had acupuncture, you know, a hundred times. I had uh, neck surgery and, you know, acupuncture it hurts, but it helps Mm -hmm. tremendously. Big Mm -hmm. time to, you know, relax tissues and restore blood flow and all that. But anyway, um, what does, uh, what does Chinese medicine involve? It involves acupuncture and uh, there's also seems to be herbalism. And what are the main facets of Chinese medicine and how does it contrast to Western medicine?
0: Um, well, it's a whole system of medicine. So first of all, there's the whole concept of energy and the idea of energy flowing through your body in certain patterns. And maybe the main, uh, tenet of energy is of energy movement is the concept of yin and yang. So, so the yin is the feminine, moist, cool nighttime energy and the mask and the yang is the masculine daytime sunlight, bright Uh, Energy And those energies are constantly changing and constantly converting one into the other. And there's a flow of that. And that is sort of the basis of Chinese medicine. And then there are 12 pathways of energy that are called meridians. And they're named after our internal organs. But how the organs work is different than they do in Western medicine. For example, the lungs, which is... um, is paired with the large intestine and it is not just your physical lungs, but also your nose, your throat, your physical lungs, your large intestine, your skin, your uh, sense of smell and your nose, and uh, your ability to protect yourself from things that come in from outside, meaning your immune system and your thyroid. So all of those things are connected and it rules the emotion of grief and so every organ has all of these additional functions that we don't have in Western medicine. And uh, and how, and the whole idea is that when your energy is out of balance, there are problems. And so then there are philosophies that go along with that. So there's a diet and exercise and a lifestyle. So just like any other system of medicine, there are certain recommended ways of living. And there are herbs and uh and uh, treatment suggestions that are based on all kinds of different things. So, do you
1: sense that there's um, just an ignorance or a wall between Chinese medicine and Western medicine? Like, how does each side perceive the other, in your estimation?
0: Well, I don't know because <laughs> I've been practicing Chinese medicine for, uh, let's see, I started in I started acupuncture school in 1987. So I've been practicing for 32 years. Um, Yeah,
1: but when you were in uh, surgery, when you were in the hospital system, I mean, did you ever talk to anyone about what you were studying and they said, what's wrong with you? Or, you know, did did you keep it quiet? Like you secretly. Well, they
0: used to joke and they used to say, was it like voodoo? You know, so in the 80s, things were quite a bit different. And now people, I think, are much more open to it now. And so I'm, I, when I talk to most physicians, they're open to the idea. In fact, I'm, going to the Institute of Functional Medicine International Conference this week and I'm doing a poster presentation for acupuncture um for pain management. So, I mean, it is an alternatively based system of medicine, but acupuncture isn't really part of their system and still I'm welcome to give a poster presentation there. So, so I think things have changed a lot in the last 30 years with that sort with the openness to acupuncture. But I just read an article, actually, I think it was on CNN, Um, the World Health Organization literally just came out with a recommendation that Chinese medicine and acupuncture should be considered as a valid mode of treatment for various things. It's already approved acupuncture, but this article is some update in their standards and that they were going to recommend that we change certain coding on charts so that insurance would cover acupuncture. And this article was saying that conventional medicine is still very much against acupuncture. So, so there's many perspectives.
1: Yeah. You know, what, um? How has your perception evolved? You know, again, you started in Western medicine. Now you're, for many years, you've been in the you know the Eastern medicine side. So, how do you look at patients differently nowadays? And you know, how has your perception changed?
0: Well, the way I do all of my work and. It's sort of evolved, of course, over the years, because when I first started doing acupuncture, all I knew was emergency medicine and acupuncture and, you know, general surgery. So very conventional medicine and and then Chinese medicine as I started to learn it. But I was fairly young, so I think they kind of evolved together. And every patient that I see, I use both. I use Chinese and Western medicine. And my evaluation includes the Chinese medicine perspective, and then I layer the Western medicine perspective over the top of that and figure out what tests a person needs and what possible Western concerns might be involved that I need to deal with. And then I use Chinese medicine sort of as my first line of treatment. Um, But I always continue to use Western medicine as well, so I do both. Okay. Well,
1: what's an example of... um you Know a couple of serious conditions where you've done this, and you know, what was the effect? I know we're not naming names, but you know, <laughs> you
0: have a couple
1: of examples you could talk about.
0: Oh, sure. Um, I have several patients who have autoimmune disease and um, autoimmune like Hashimoto's. Um, actually, I recently got a woman, I'm hoping to have huge results, but I can't really tell you her results yet because I'm just starting with her. But what I do is I take and do an intake and I take a history sort of along the lines of both chinese and functional medicine where i take a history from birth of everything that's happened to their bodies every symptom when did it develop i find a t- I create a timeline and i look at the systems that are out of balance using chinese medicine so i feel their pulse and i look at their tongue which tells me which organs are out of balance and then based on that let's say the, um, this one patient of mine this isn't uncommon was autoimmune uh, thyroid disease and uh when i feel her pulse her digestion's out of balance and her immune system and so i was i recommend doing a stool test and looking at her nutritional situation cuz she's had trouble with food um not sure whether she has food allergies cuz she has skin issues and thyroid issues and sleep problems sort of in perimenopause, so there's a long, you know, like a lot of my patients are this sort of complicated mix of digestive issues and and hormone issues and other immune system issues. And so we do a stool test and we do a hormone test. And then I look at all of those things and I work to get the hormones in balance. I work to get the digestion in balance and I use acupuncture. And how acupuncture adds to the picture is that it, it helps balance, whatever can be balanced in the body. And so whatever else I do, the body will respond better to it. Also, you know, of course it helps with immediate symptoms like pain. And, and this particular patient also had back pain. Um, when she came in, she had done some weird lifting. So it helped get rid of her back pain. It helped build her immune system, helped balance her blood sugar, helped her hormones so she could sleep better. And then And then with the testing, once we figured out what the infections were, we worked on treating the infections using herbs. So it's it's like a whole complicated treatment plan. But I have probably I have over eighty five percent success in helping my patients feel better and recover from their conditions. It's not always easy. It takes sometimes a very long you know months or in with a lot of autoimmune people, it takes a year or two for them to start to really get better. So Um,
1: what would you say Western medicine is good at? And what would you say Chinese medicine is good at? And where are they both
0: lacking? Uh, Well, you can't do surgery in Chinese medicine. I guess you can. There are people who have surgery with, with just acupuncture, but I personally wouldn't do that. You know, just, I would be, I'd rather have anesthesia. (laughs) So, I mean, there's the whole world of surgery and testing and, um, you know, when somebody has a severe acute problem, such as a heart attack or, or you know, a severe respiratory symptom like asthma where they get in big trouble, Western medicine is good at very acute conditions and big traumas and and, heal, and helping people recover from things that you wouldn't be able to do without it. Um, And in Chinese medicine, I think the thing that's particularly good is helping the immune system, the hormones, and the nervous system, so helping the body get in balance. So, um, And what's lacking, of course, is that those acute, big, traumatic events that occur in people's lives, like what I used to do in the emergency room, Chinese medicine isn't completely cut out for that. Although for some things, you know, like if somebody's having a seizure, there's some acupuncture points that can stop a seizure right then. And there are, you know, certain things that Chinese, that acupuncture can do in an emergency. But for the most part, you'd want to go to an emergency room if you had an emergency, you know, if you had a broken bone um, or something like that, you'd want Western medicine.
1: hmm. Well, a lot of conditions that are chronic. So it seems like that's, better suited to the world of Chinese medicine than emergency medicine or oh, yeah,
0: medicine. I mean and, and honestly, in the case of chronic severe conditions, this is, I I think the blend of both of them is ideal, you know, because there are things that Western medicine can offer that China, like the testing I, I that I can do with uh, functional medicine, I can look at certain hormone levels, I can look at how the body's functioning on certain levels, which then helps me guide my treatment in the Chinese medicine world. So I am fully in favor of both. What it's what I call holistic medicine is not just taking care of the whole person, but whole using the whole array of treatment options available.
1: So do you um, do you think Chinese medicine practitioners look to be more preventative? I mean, or do you still have Patients that only come to you just when they're sick and not feeling good. What do you do? You try to work in the preventative realm. Do they care? Do they? You know, how does that work?
0: Well, it, everybody's different, of course, and so there are some people will, who will only come to me when they're sick, and there are other people who come to me specifically because they don't want to be sick or they want to be healed of something, you know, sort of maybe low grade, long term, insidious that's been going on. And so, you know, overall, I think. Chinese medicine is great at prevention, you know, especially I think one of the things that we don't think about much is, you know, how we're aging. I mean, I know a lot of people think about aging, but they think about using supplements and things like that. But I think things like acupuncture are really good at preventing aging and the energy decline that we sort of gradually get as we get older. So I think that acupuncture is great prevention for a lot of severe things that people could have.
1: Well, what, what does uh, Chinese medicine think about supplements? What does it think about uh, the various things that go on in Western medicine? But let's start with supplements. What does it think about? It?
0: Well, you know, Chinese herbal medicine is a is a big part of Chinese medicine. So, so on some level, supplements are uh, recommended. As our dietary, you know, suggestions. Um, so I think it's not against supplementation, but but everything in Chinese medicine is really about balance. And what does it take for that person to get balance? And so, and and my personal philosophy is I want to do the least amount of of intervention to help a person be balanced. So if I can give somebody acupuncture and they can get better to me, even though acupuncture is an invasive procedure, it's aligning that person's energy so that they can feel well. If, that, if I can get that for them, then that's the best, right? Where they can feel well without any other intervention, including supplements. Um, but most cases, especially the type of patients that I often see, require some sort of supplementation or some sort of other intervention besides just acupuncture okay
1: people seek out if they do you know a chinese medicine practitioner i think they i mean i guess this is my perception i think of like some old half crazy muttering chinese guy you know like a small, top, <laughs> a, a small herb. Well, i hope not because Inver- i'm not <laughs> no no i know you're not but it's just like if i, I thought about it like if i'm going to go see someone like that that's what i imagine Uh, Is that how it is? Like, do you, do you interact with other practitioners and are they that stereotype or are they just regular people?
0: Well, you know, for the most part in the West, you know, Chinese medicine has been around since Nixon opened the borders between China and the U S and, and there are physicians who have been practicing Chinese medicine and acupuncture for as long as I have. And there are of course, old Chinese guys who've been in the United States for however long and still maybe only speak Chinese. And, and definitely, you know, there's some tricks there that they know some of these guys, you know, they've been, they've been taught acupuncture since they were children because it, it was in their family. Um, so I think there's both and there's a, you know, there's a large number, especially I I'm in California, a large number of, acupuncture schools where some of these ancient Chinese guys are teaching the students of, you know, the Western students, Chinese medicine. So it's, it's not, I don't, I don't think it's that stereotype anymore because there's so many modern practitioners of Chinese medicine now.
1: Are most of the Chinese medicine practitioners Chinese? or that's Oh, no, I would like say most morning. of them are
0: Western here in the, in the West. Hmm. Yeah. Okay.
1: Well, I, I mean, you know, again, I'm not everybody, but I would guess that uh, my perception is probably present in a lot of people. They would assume Chinese medicine—that's what they're going to walk into, you know. Um, yeah.
0: Maybe uh, I'm wrong. That, I don't
1: know. But the, not it,
0: not so much anymore. Know. But I do think that we need still to get to educate people more about acupuncture and Chinese medicine because it's such a such an amazing tool of healing and is so incredible at helping so many problems that. You know, especially in this time where we have so many people in pain, acupuncture is maybe one of the best tools for pain relief, which is part of why I'm doing this presentation coming up. Um, Because it works like it can work immediately, you know, like within minutes without making you feel drugged or or high or whatever, you know, which so many drugs can do. I think the world has
1: side effects, too. Without side
0: effects. Without side effects. Well, you know, sometimes you'll have a little bruising with the needle or something, but really most of the time, no side effects, minimal pain, because it doesn't really hurt to get acupuncture, depending on your practitioner, um, and and almost immediate relief. Like why, why wouldn't you try it, you know?
1: Well, tell me, I mean, people, again, have misconceptions about it. Yeah. I'm sure they're afraid it's going to hurt. They're afraid of having needles put into them. Yes. They're afraid of I don't know maybe falling off the table and impaling themselves. Who knows? Or <laughs> falling asleep That's and jerking, and the needle. <laughs> you know, but again, public perception. Yeah. Like, so what, what? What? I'm telling you what I think. But what do you encounter when you talk to patients about either herbs or acupuncture? Which one are they most scared of? And what do they tell you scares them? If anything.
0: Well, many. You know, there are a decent number of people who will come to me. You know, sort of as a last resort because they've tried. So many other things, and they're, you know, well, and and I, they come to me because I'm a physician, and, and it's a safe place to start. They think. Um, so there is a lot of fear and misconception, and and fear of needles is sort of inbred in our culture. So, I think you're right that sort of a natural fear is is sort of possibly the first response when you think about acupuncture. And so what I do is I show them the needles, which are my needles are very, very thin. So the kind of needles that, that you're that are used for injecting, let's say, injecting a medicine into your skin, first of all they're they're beveled and they have a hollow core, so they're cutting into your tissues to get to a certain place. And acupuncture needles are solid, more like a pin, and they're three times smaller, like way, way, way smaller than the needles that that you would even get for an injection. Um, and, a, and an injection needle is a gauge, like 25 gauge is maybe one of the smallest injection needles. And the needles I use are 36 gauge. So the higher the number, the smaller they are. So they're tiny, 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 They're and they're flexible. They're sort of as th- almost as thin as a hair, and they get inserted into your skin. So you feel almost no pain when they're inserted. And then if you do feel any pain, usually that pain dissipates within less than 20 seconds. You know, it dissipates in seconds. And then... And and then you get to lay there and relax, you know, so there's nothing to do. You just lay still and you relax while the treatment proceeds. So there's not a lot of activity. It's calming. It's soothing. Overall, it's it's for most of my patients, even when they're scared, they usually let me give them a treatment and they usually find themselves to be very relaxed and healed when they've received a treatment. If you Did, come out you here, I'm happy bite. to give you a treatment.
1: I was going to say, like you know... It's relaxing and, and all that. It, unless you have my acupuncturist who likes to give me quote unquote extra and when oh, you take dear. videos out, like like twist them back and forth and I go, No, 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 extra. But uh, <laughs> it helps more. So
0: Well that so there are different but, styles of acupuncture, so that's something you maybe should know. Um so the Chinese style, which is what I trained in and I didn't like Um, was, I thought, very painful. And and they use slightly thicker needles and they believe in getting a sensation when you put a needle in place. But my experience as a Westerner is that we don't like pain like that. So I practice a Japanese style, which is almost completely painless. And sometimes, for like with children, I don't even put needles in. I'll, I'll either hold a needle over their surface or I'll use a laser or, you know, like, so there are many ways to stimulate those points and help somebody feel better without necessarily putting needles in if they're too scared.
1: You know, what's interesting I just learned is um there's a, a modality called tapping where you tap on certain parts of your body to feel better. And
0: mm-hmm. then there's
1: acupressure, acupressure mm-hmm. where you press on certain parts and there's acupuncture where you put a needle in certain parts and they're all the same points, which I thought was really <laughs> fascinating. this, And then you said laser. So there's at least four ways to, for the same point, to access it at different various you know levels of efficacy and it's just interesting to um I mean I could see you doing acupuncture and let's say there's a real sensitive area or a scary area. you do needles in most parts and then one part you do something else instead you do laser or you do acupressure in that part or you do something else just to, if that one part of it is uh is too traumatic for someone
0: yeah exactly. Yeah, there. I mean, that's the thing is, is there are so many ways to do anything, you know, and I think that's maybe what, what happened to me was that I was open to understanding things from many different angles. And so there are many ways to treat a person, there are many ways to give a person healing and the whole point is always to get healing, you know, to feel better. And that's, you know, my purpose in life is to help people feel better. So I'll do whatever it takes to help them feel better. You know, if it's acupuncture or medication or herbs or a laser, whatever it takes, you know, because feeling better
1: is
0: the result we desire.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's funny. The very nature of what you do means the person should come back at least once, maybe four, five, six, ten times. And if mm-hmm. you think about it, Western medicine, it's usually one and done. Hey, I'm mm-hmm. sick. Here's a pill. Have a nice life. You know, and don't mm-hmm. come see me until you're sick again. But like chiropractic and acupuncture and, you know, Chinese medicine and all that, it seems like a totally different relationship. Where well, you want the patient to come back at least once to see how they're doing and maybe tweak things or, you know, do another treatment. Is that accurate? right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean,. Uh... I think healing is as many things but one of the key things is that relationship that you have with a person and being well and maintaining wellness requires that you have somebody on on your on your team you know and I think and so and I think that's what like a majority of my patients want they want somebody who cares about them who spends time with them who listens to their problems And who helps them feel better. And, you know, so some of my patients only come in once a year. It's sort of the minimum required amount of times they see me. But most of them come in to see me regularly for sort of keeping themselves in balance, to to keep working on feeling well and, and staying healthy. And they ask for my support in that.
1: I I didn't ask you, what kinds of things do you see often are out of balance and then what what treatments do you do to affect them and then what do you you know, what once you what do you see once you do that? Give maybe a few examples.
0: Um so a large percentage of people again have complicated Another way of looking at holistic medicine (laughs) is they come in with a whole list of problems. Um, So they have sort of complicated like autoimmune and digestive issues and sleep issues and hormone issues. So that's the most common. And then the people who come in for sort of preventive medicine. So probably the most common thing is pain and hormonal imbalances, because I see a lot of women in perimenopause And I see, you know, a lot of people accept that acupuncture is good for pain. So a lot of people come in when they're having various kinds of pain. And then probably the other would be digestive issues. So people with chronic, you know, irritable bowel syndrome or stomach aches, they can't seem to figure out why. I remember one guy who was in his 60s who came to me, he had been on Prilosec. And I think Nexium for years, like he'd been on some medication to suppress his stomach acid for 30 years. And he was in his sixties and he was like, you know, I don't think this is good for me. I think I should get off of these medications, but I don't know how. I think it took me three months. Now he's a guy who's done and gone, right? He took me three months. I, I did a stool test, looked at his digestion, figured out he had a couple of infections. I think he had a bacteria called H. pylori, which can cause heartburn and cause stomach ulcers. I treated that with herbs and acupuncture, and then I weaned him off of his medication. I also changed his diet because he was living on white foods. And um, within three months, he was off of medication. He felt better than he had in years, and I haven't seen him in several years since got better. So, and, and, you know, he came several times after he got better. He was very extremely happy, you know, um, and able to eat a wider variety once we had healed his stomach. And that is, that's a very common story I hear It's like people have chronic stomach issues that they just can't get well. And I think this is one of those places where acupuncture can make a huge difference because I can, somebody can come in with heartburn and they'll leave without it. In one visit. Hmm. So,
1: how effective do you think acupuncture can be, or acupuncture and Chinese herbs? I mean, any in serious serious issues? You know, any any like big time serious issues you've been able to uh, make a huge change in?
0: I mean, I I don't treat patients who have cancer um, because when I first started working in California, it was illegal for a physician to use alternative medicine for cancer. Um, so when I when you say serious, I think cancer, but there are other things that are serious that are that are chronic, like like I said, autoimmune disease or chronic pain. So I'm very successful at helping people with autoimmune disease or chronic pain, um, and I usually refer cancer patients to other integrative physicians who specialize in that um, because that is an area that's more and more commonly you know, where people live with cancer for a really, really long time, and, you know, they go through whatever chemo and radiation and treatments, and then they can live for a long time, and acupuncture and herbs and um, those integrative therapies, I think, are a mainstay of them getting well, surviving and staying well, you know, and not just surviving cancer, but thriving after having been treated, and I, you know, in general, I don't, um have people do only alternative medicine for cancer cancer. I think that's an area where both Chinese and Western medicine have to work together.
1: Hmm. Okay. And then we haven't talked much about the uh the herb part of it. We talked a lot more about acupuncture, but mm-hmm. tell me a little bit about the herbs. Um they're not pills and they have a lot of compounds in them besides the one compound supposedly that hasn't been isolated, you know, to treat the person. So what do you notice is different about the, the action of uh
0: well, so the pills. Chinese herbal medicine system is very similar to Chinese medicine itself. And that is, we don't necessarily address symptoms, we address energy patterns. And so herbs are often given in combinations because because there's a whole push and pull that goes along with the herbs that, you know, one herb will uh, strengthen a certain kind of energy and another herb will balance that energy and so that there's this whole formulation of herbs in Chinese in traditional Chinese medicine that's very um I think it's beautiful you know I love Chinese medicine as you can tell and and so I think the whole system the idea of putting someone in balance rather than just going after a particular disease or symptom helps a person be more whole and um so the herbs do the same thing. They're basically going to help a person's energy get balanced so that whatever their body would naturally do, the herbs will help do. I'll give you an example of an herb I just gave to a patient of mine today. It's not one herb. I and and I'm not a traditional Chinese herbalist at all. Like my training was all in acupuncture and I studied herbs after. And I love Chinese herbs and I think they're great, but I don't formulate them myself. I I buy formulas that I give people that are in pills. Most of my patients are, you know, modern, busy people and they don't want to cook things for however long you have to cook them and like that. And there is that I think that way of doing Chinese herbal medicine is wonderful. It's just that in modern times, it's a little more difficult to do it that way. Um, So... Um, One formula is called um, Celestial Emperor's Blend, and it's a formula for sleep. And uh, so I'll just give this example because there's a certain pattern where um, people will have where they have trouble staying asleep. And in Chinese medicine, the heart is the emperor. So it's not just a physical like you have a heart attack and, and your heart is out of balance. It is many things, but one of them is that it's the emperor of the emotions, and it also rules your ability to rest and ability to sleep. And so this formula has in it uh, things that help the body be cooler and more relaxed without making you sleepy necessarily. So it's the formula is for balancing the heart. It's not a sleep. It's not a sleeping pill. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, I understand yeah. what you mean. Okay.
0: Yeah.
1: Have you tried it and uh, or yeah, yeah. tried it and does it work? Like what yeah. do you experience on that one in particular?
0: But it doesn't work yeah. as a sleeping pill. It works as it balancing the heart energy, and then then the person is able to fall asleep because that um, that energy is more balanced. It does yeah. So.
1: So when you um when you think back to your Western medical training and you think mm-hmm. about how the Chinese think about organs, organ systems, and everything and energy. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense to you from a scientific standpoint or do you still think it's kind of woo-woo or does it make a lot of sense to you? I mean, what's what's your feel now when you reconcile the two trainings in your mind and how, you know, science underpins them?
0: You know, that's a really good question. <clears throat> I um, obviously accepted a certain amount of Chinese medicine at face value where I would have never started to study it because the Western science um, – is lacking, you know, or has not quite caught up. Um, there are a lot of um, MDs doing research. There's research going on at Harvard. There's research going on at other places and and major medical centers with using acupuncture. And one of the problems with acupuncture itself is that um, it's an intervention. And some people respond to any intervention by feeling better or by having some physical response to it. So putting a needle in someone's skin, even if it's in the wrong location, will have an effect. And so that's a part of why acupuncture has been hard to study, but it's been studied pretty extensively both in China, in Taiwan, all over the world now. And there's a good amount of science, which is why the World Health Organization and the U.S., is it the FDA... I think, yeah, about 20 years ago, the FDA finally approved acupuncture as more than an experimental device, and so and there's science behind all that, and there's an uh, academy of American Academy of Medical Acupuncture which I'm a member of and these are physicians who do acupuncture and who've been trained to do acupuncture and there's research going on all over the place and I don't know if you know this but in the US military acupuncture is becoming a major part of the treatment of soldiers who have been traumatized by war and by injuries in war <clears throat> there's a great movie cool. that Andrew Weil directed or was a, was a narrator of Oh, my God, I can't remember the name of it. Um, I own it, though, so hold on. I'm going to look. I think it's uh, called Break Fire or something. It's about fire. But um, anyway, it was it's a great movie, and it talks about the soldiers coming back from various wars. And, um, oh, it's called Escape Fire. Great movie. And, yeah. you know, how much pain these soldiers are in. And, and they showed these guys going in and out of VA medical clinics with Big bags of medications and they've done studies on and and there are acupunctures and physicians who do acupuncture at VA medical centers across the country now and um, veterans are able to get acupuncture for free and one of the main things is for the PTSD that goes along with it and there's something called battlefield acupuncture where you you put needles in the ears and five needles in certain locations in the ears and these guys who used to have to be drugged up to be flown to whatever hospital from the war location now are flown with needles in their ears and no medications and no pain and and able to handle whatever's happening simply because they have needles in place. So I think there's plenty of science and there's plenty of modern experience that shows that it works well.
1: well it gets, we're just about out of time. So what, what's the best way that people can see you they're local to you and then if not how can they find out more about um, Chinese medicine and acupuncture and herbalism and all that
0: oh that's a big question <laughs> um so there's all kinds of organizations of course and how they can find me is um i am the owner of heart to heart medical center it's spelled a t a r t like heart and my website is hearttoheartmedicalcenter.com and i have a book i've written called healing when it seems impossible Seven Keys to Defy the Odds, and it's really addressing difficult health issues. And so all of that is on my website. All of it's easily accessible. And if you're looking for somebody who works in a similar way to me, then you would look at the Institute of Functional Medicine or the American Academy of Medical Acupuncture. There are very few physicians who do both acupuncture and functional medicine, so it's a little harder to find one of us. But um, if you look at those places, the Institute of Functional Medicine dot com or dot org, I think, and or uh, the American Academy of Medical Acupuncture is um, where you'd find physicians who do acupuncture. So there'd be a little bit of crossover.
1: Well, very good. Well, Shoko, thank you for coming on the podcast. I appreciate it.
0: My pleasure. Thanks for having me.